all here because of our senior most pastor, Pastor Jones and Marie, and the investment they've made, not just in this church, but in our fellowship and our, all of our churches around the world. And they continue to, to do the work of the Lord, and he, he doesn't stop. He's right now over in Nairobi, and he preached last week in Kisumu, Kenya, all the way on the west side of Kenya, and uh, I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for the, the many, many years of investment and the work that they've done, and the, we are part of the results. We're the, we're the fruit of that. Amen? Yeah, I was, I don't have, uh, let, me, let me see here. I've got a, an email from a lady. Don't start my time yet, all right? Don't start counting my time yet, because I want to read this to you. We got an email from a lady this week, and this is what she says. Let me just tell you, this just kind of goes to show the heart of Pastor Jones. Uh, this is what she says. Dear Pastor Ron Jones, you might not remember me, but I called in the middle of the night. I found your name in the phone book looking for my stepbrother who has the same name. I was driving my parents' pickup without permission and crunched a fender. You came and got me and took me to the girls' home. The girls' home, we used to have a, a home for young ladies, and it was, it was taken care of by somebody in our church. This is, this is ages ago. You took me to the girls' home. You contacted my parents. You got me saved and baptized before they showed up the next day. <laughs> God honored this. He took care of me through so much. I started walking with him and knowing Jesus 10 years ago. My husband just got licensed and ordained. I just want you to know God used you to change my life. I'm sure you've been instrumental in many. I pray for you often. I'm currently writing a book about my life. I looked you up on the Internet. I don't know if you remember me, but I remember you. Love, Wendy Rogers. And then she, she puts her phone number. You know, it's not often in life where we get a chance to hear about somebody who, somebody's life who has changed and the results of, of that investment. And here we are, some here are from our church back in Springs, and they've been serving the Lord for many, many years, not just 10 or 15. I'm talking 25 or 30 years. Let me tell you, your investment does not go unnoticed. It might be unnoticed by you. It might be unnoticed by the people around you, but it's not unnoticed by heaven. God's keeping good books. And you'll never go wrong talking to somebody and sharing the gospel, even if you don't see any lasting results out of that investment, it's God that's keeping the books. It's the Holy Spirit that does the work in a person's life. And unless the Holy Spirit gets a hold of somebody's heart when we're talking, all of our words are in vain. All of our words are just words. It's the Holy Spirit that energizes those words. It's the Holy Spirit that touches a person's heart, softens that soil causes that fruit to grow, and sometimes it's, it takes a while. Sometimes we don't see anything out of it, but listen, it's God that does the work, and it's God that brings the increase. Amen? So don't, don't get tired. Say, well, it's not working. I'm not seeing anything happen. It's not, it's not happening for me. It's happening for somebody else. Why not, why not me? Don't worry about it. Look at somebody and tell them, don't worry about it. Say, well, it's easy for you to say. Things are happening for you. Things are happening in your life. Listen, don't worry about it. The other day, I, I got it in my mind. I said, I'm going to call Reinhard Bonnke. How many have ever heard of a man by the name of Reinhard Bonnke? 
preached crusades. I'm talking millions with decisions, millions of people, crowds as far as the eye can see. I've been in those crusades, and you can't see the end of the people. You, it's, it's so far back there. And, and when I was in one in Kisumu, Kenya, back when I was 18 years old, and I watched. I was sitting on the platform, and Reinhard Bonnke was there. was there with Pastor Jones. He was the pastor was the reason we were able to go to that. And as I'm looking out at that crowd and he's preaching, they're passing demon-possessed people on top like crowd surfing to the front. Here are these people manifesting, shaking, and, and doing all kinds of craziness, and they're passing them to the front because on the side they've got a tent where they're praying for demon-possessed people inside there. Underneath the platform while he's preaching are people that are interceding, intercessors for the, for the service powerful, powerful service. So I said, I'm going to call Reinhard Bonnke. And I woke up at three o'clock in the morning. Now I'm an internet sleuth. I'm not telling you to do this. Don't, I don't want everybody bombarding, you know, this, that's my contact now. I'm up, I put his number in my phone just in case anybody goes through my contacts. They can see that I, I found his number, but I, three o'clock in the morning, I said, I'm going to call Reinhard Bonnke. I was preaching a message that I wanted his, his thought on. And, he, and I got him on the telephone, and I talked to him a little bit. His birthday's next month. He's going to be 78 years old. And he told me this. He, imagine this. The, the, the many, many people, many people that have been saved, he, he told me this. He said, I never worry about helping somebody else bring in a harvest. I never worry about that. If, if something's not happening where I'm at, I don't worry about that. I go, if it's happening in Brazil, I want to go to Brazil and help them bring in their harvest. He said, all harvests do not come in season at the same time. You know, I never thought about it like that. You don't get apples at the same time you get other fruit or other vegetables. All harvests do not come in season at the same time. So when there's a revival happening in Africa and you're not seeing anything where you're at or there's a revival happening in somebody else's church and you're not seeing it where you are, don't worry about it. Your harvest is coming. It's not us that makes it happen. It's the Holy Spirit. God brings it to pass. God makes it work. What matters is are we in the right place doing what God wants us to do at the right time? Not worrying about why somebody else is getting a victory and I'm not getting one. So don't worry about that. And then he said something that I had to scratch my head at. He said, thank you for what you're doing for the Lord. Thank you for all of the things that you've done. And I thought, you know, sometimes it feels like what I do is so insignificant. When I look at the, the thousands, hundreds of thousands of people and all of those decisions, but, but the Bible says that heaven rejoices over one soul. Just one. You. That one person that you share the gospel with, that one person that you lead to the Lord on your job, heaven gets excited. We don't, we don't sometimes appreciate what God is really doing. Even if we're not the one preaching to a million people in a crowd and, and, and in a crusade, that person has the potential to touch millions of lives. That person's life, that individual. So I want to be a part of what God is doing. If it's not happening where I'm at, I'm not worried. It will happen in time. God can do it. But let's be evangelistic. If we're not evangelistic, I'm okay, you can start my time. It's okay now. Whoever's timing and recording, whatever. If we don't evangelize, you know what? We might, might, as, well be, we might as well be the Peace Corps. We might just 
be the people that we just go around doing good in the name of doing good. But we are evangelists. We're the people of God. We carry the good news. We're blessed to be able to carry something so precious as the gospel. Here, we're entering in. Sunday is Palm Sunday. And we're, and we're entering into this week where they began to worship Jesus. And then they crucified Jesus. And he rose again from the dead. And when he rose again from the dead, he blew their minds. Many were disappointed. Many, many were disheartened. They thought everything is over. Our, our hope is done. It's gone. We have no more hope. But then he rose from the dead, and when he was resurrected, there he, re- he was resurrected in power. He didn't leave us powerless. He didn't leave us empty, looking up at a hole in the sky. He says, I'm going to send the promise of the Father. And the promise of the Father, he's going to endue you. He's going to fill you with power. That power is what makes all the difference in our lives. It makes all the difference in our testimony. It makes all the difference in what we do in this earth. We are not just uh, Christians in name only. We're Christians with power. We're born again. We walk under the the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 2. I want to minister this, this morning, or this evening rather, on... Church growth. How about that? Just church growth. Because you know what we need? We need, we need real growth. Not just numbers. Not just bodies and chairs. But we need, we need real growth. We need, we need to reproduce and see genuine conversions. Genuine salvation. We need hearts that are transformed. Amen? Transformed by the by the grace of God. And you know, when we are transformed, sometimes when, when people go to church, you know what it's like? It's, it's like, I, I, I don't know about you, when, when I cut my grass, I live, I live way out in the boonies kind of, you know, and, it's, and uh, we don't have good grass. Let me know what I'm talking about. Our grass, it, it's, it, it's like weeds and grass. Let me tell you when it looks good. It looks good when it's first mowed. All right? And I mow that grass, and it looks really nice for a couple of days. But it doesn't take long for the weeds to grow faster than the grass. And, you know, if you want to have a real lawn, you got to get rid of the weeds. And if you want a real transformation in your life, you've got to deal with the sin issues and those things that are... are uh, unclean things and have those things not just cut down in a service so that it looks good and everything looks pretty, but to be completely taken out. We need a transformation of our lives. The Holy Spirit, when, when we get saved and we give our lives to the Lord, there ought to be a transformation of our hearts. There has to be this. And I want you to look at it with me. Acts chapter 2. Jump over to, to verse 41. Acts 2 and verse 41, this is what it says. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone to anyone that had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your presence in this place, Lord, in these services this morning and last night. God, I thank you for touching our hearts. Lord, we're your people. Lord, we're here. And we, Lord, we expect a move from heaven in our lives. Lord, save us from dead religion. Save us from our, our own selves, our own philosophies. But God, I pray that there would be a real transformation of our lives by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Bring conviction, Lord. I pray that you would touch us, touch our hearts, touch our tongues, touch our minds. God, I pray that you would lay your hand upon us, Lord, that our destinies, God, would be laid out before us, God, and we would see what you're calling us to, God. And we give you the glory tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, there was a mark that was upon the, uh, the early church, that something that set them apart. Of course, it was the Holy Spirit that was working in them, but the Holy Spirit produced something in their life that set them apart from everybody else. There was, there was an excitement. You know, when, when we give our lives to Jesus, there ought to be an excitement in us. Not a manufactured excitement, not, not the kind of excitement, you know, we sometimes say, fake it till you make it. How many have heard that before? And some people, there that is what they're trying to do. They're trying to, to fake enthusiasm, fake excitement, but this is something, what I'm talking about is something that you can't fake it. It's a lasting transformation. And it was what marked these people as belonging to God, and it's what equipped them to do what God called them to do. They're, they were zealous. That zeal comes as a result of our relationship with God, something that we cultivate. Something that we contend for. Some, well, I mean, it, it comes in prayer. It comes in relationship and drawing close to Him. And when we draw close to Him, He draws close to us. We build that and we contend for that. And we, we are not satisfied with simply going to church and just going through religious motions, but we are, we are depending on Him to be in our lives, to be in our presence, in our, in our, for us to be in His presence. There's a zeal that comes from that, and, the, and the, it was essential to the growth of, of the early church. We're a New Testament church. That's who we are. We ident we're a New Testament church because we identify with the men and women of Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts, all through the book of Acts, when you see miracle after miracle after miracle, that's what God has called us to. That's the ministry we're called to. We're not just called to... to, to you know, entertain each other. We're called to be people that, that move in the gifts and power and the, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's who we're called to be. So how does that happen? They went, as it says in Acts chapter 2, when, when 500 witnessed Jesus after the resurrection and saw him and, and knew that he had been, had been raised from the dead, only 120 went and did what he told them to do and went into the upper room. There they were waiting. They were, they were uh, zealous people. They were hungry for God's presence. They knew what Jesus had said, and they took him for his word. And they went and they waited. They didn't know what they were waiting for. 
They didn't know what it would look like. They didn't know what it would sound like. They didn't know how it would happen, when it would happen. I don't know how long they had been waiting, but they had a spirit of agreement. And when God began to move in that place, he, he poured out his spirit on those people that day. We identify with that because it is, it is for today. It is not only for the book of Acts. It's not only for Scripture. It's for you and I today. And we ought to depend on him. Expect that God is going to do those things. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Imagine that when Peter would walk down the street, the very, just him walking down the street, his shadow, people would be healed by a shadow going over it. They had prayer claws, and as they would pray, the anointing of the Holy Spirit was on those prayer claws. Wherever they went, there was, there was power in that. That, that's, not, that's not man's doing. That's something that God did, and it's a, it's a real revival as a result of people whose hearts were on fire for God. That meant that they had no connection. They didn't want to be connected with the things of this world. They would much rather identify with the people of God. That's why, as Pastor Blake, I think, said it last night, they said, these that have turned the world upside down have come here also. Things began to happen. Things began to turn in their lives. There, there was an excitement that was in their life, and there they were. They were, they were marked by God. I like that quote that one man had said, and it, he said, one person with a passion is greater than 99 with only an interest. One person with a passion is greater than 99 with only an interest. I would say even more than that is greater than 999 with only an interest. We've got so many people that just have a, a passing interest in the things of God. But there are people that are marked by God. They have the anointing of the Holy Spirit on their life. They are the ones that are going to go out, and it, they don't have to go around the world to find it. They'll find, they'll find an opportunity right in their own backyard. They don't have to go far. Because within a mile of where they live and where they work, there are so many opportunities and their lives are marked by this excitement for God because he's done something real in their life. I want God to do something real. I want to see a real revival. I don't have to go to Africa. One lady, when we moved over to Africa and we moved to Kenya, a lady came to me in our church, and she's since gone on to be with the Lord, but she was an older lady, and she says, why you got to go all the way to Africa to preach? Ain't there no sinners here in Colorado Springs? I said, well, there's plenty of sinners in Colorado Springs, but, but God's calling us over there. We came back to Colorado Springs. But one person with a passion, be marked by God. Be a contender. Be a person that is, that is so in love with the things of God that the things of this world have no attachment to your life. You don't want to waste time on them. You're not, you're, not, you're not bound by those things. That leads me to the second thing, and that is that, that, that the mark of this, this early church was they had a different perspective than the rest of the world. Think about this, this text. That here they are, all the believers together had everything in common. In verse 45, it says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They unloaded themselves. They didn't have to, they weren't, they weren't attached to material things. Many people can't obey God and they cannot do what God has called them to do because they're, they're preoccupied with so many other things, they're, they're landlocked in their perspective. 
The gospel has no uh, opportunity to go far because their, their, their perspective on life is purely material. You know, it's hard to give. It's hard to be a blessing when, when you are so bound by debt and, and material things and, and, and you're, you're so consumed with the, 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 the momentary things. The things of this are you, you I want to be a blessing. I want to be able when the, when the offering time or another opportunity, maybe it's not even an offering, maybe there's just a need that's presented. You know, I want God to be able to use my life, and I, I don't have such an attachment or so much. I'm, I'm, I'm stretched so thin in life that I just simply can't even give somebody $10 for gas. And, you know, sometimes we can organize our lives in such a way where we, we, we give all of our attention to what we need and what we want and, and to the things that we're trying to, to achieve. And we, we've, we've got a, a just, a, 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 just a, a, a perspective like this. God wants to give us a perspective that comes from above. It's an eternal perspective where we're, we're, we're able to be spent. Somebody once said that stewardship is organizing your life so that God can spend you. So that God can spend you. He can spend you in your time. He can spend you in your resources. He can, he can have the best, the very best of your attention. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm all for, for uh, you know, taking care of the needs of this life. I'm not saying we take a vow of poverty. We don't have to unload our things of everything in life and empty our bank accounts, but I'm telling, telling you that we have a responsibility when it comes to the gospel to organize ourselves so that we can participate in the preaching of the gospel. We can be a, we can be a vessel that God can use. We're a conduit of his, of his power and of his anointing. And where we go, we go with his authority, and when he, if he wants to bless somebody, he can bless, him, bless them through us. That's how I want to be. I want to live my life like that. This is, this is the perspective that they had. We live in a things-oriented society. That things satisfy. You know, we lose something. When, when, when things begin to consume us, we lose an eternal perspective. When we, preoccup- we are so preoccupied with social media and the things that are happening in other people's lives. And sometimes we see people, we see those, those uh, threads on, on social media and, and things just look so perfect in people's lives. They look so perfect. It's like it, they, they never have a problem. They, they're never going through any trials. All you see are the highlights in their life. The, it, it's just one, one victory after another. You think this, this person must never have any problems. And so we begin to chase the things that they're, they're chasing. We want what they want. We're trying to achieve those things. But we need, a, we need an eternal perspective. I wonder how things would be if we were to be able to see the way God sees people, to see through the, the, the front that people put up and begin to really look and see what, how does God see that individual. We pulled up to the church, Emily and I did the other morning, and, and, and three times in, in that that day, I had, it, it was like three different times this phrase came up and within the course of about two hours in different circumstances. And I told her, I said, I wonder what, what it would be like if we could see people the way God sees people. If we could, if we could look at somebody the way God looks at somebody. You, we, we, you, don't, you don't realize, you don't realize what somebody's gone through. 
the kind of background, the kind of trials, the, the, the emptiness, the loneliness in people's lives. If we would get an eternal perspective, this is what they had. Was a, it was a perspective, and, and things were broken off their lives, especially this area of materialism. You really know that somebody has given their life to the Lord when they begin to participate in giving, and, and materialism is broken off of their life. When, when, when somebody begins to invest in the kingdom of God, and they be, it's like their wallet got saved. You know, some people, they get saved, but their wallet didn't quite make it all the way to the altar. And they, they are so attached to those things. Pastor told me the other day, I was talking to him, and, and he says, you know, this world doesn't have any attachment on me. He said, I would give it all away in a heartbeat. And he's given away cars. He's given away so many different things because that is his heart. You know, the, the materialism and those things should not have a hold on us. Finally, there's a need for relationship and fellowship, and this is what marked them. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That means they were, they were encouraging one another. They weren't eating somebody else for dinner. You know what I'm talking about? You know, some people, when they go to, they go to lunch or they go out, they, they eat other people. They, they gossip. They do a lot of talking about other people instead of talking about the Lord. It says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You know, this is something that is desperately needed in this, in this last day, and that is real friends and real relationships. Real relationships. I say it all the time, but it bears repeating that when you, when you have so many uh, acquaintances and, and we've got all of these acquaintances, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is, and, and we've got even in our jobs, we've got people that are acquaintances and we meet them and we, you know, we, we kind of have these loose relationships, but there's not real relationships. And we are so impersonal, personable. You can, you can be in a crowd of people and, and somebody can still have an overwhelming loneliness an isolation in their heart, even though they're surrounded by people. And it's something that's desperately needed. It's a fellowship crisis, a relationship crisis. If there's one thing uh, uh, that, that, can, that helps a person make it for the Lord, that it's having right relationships. The world is pulling on them. The world is, is fighting for their attention. Their old friends are calling them up and telling them, hey, let's go out on Friday night. What are you doing this weekend? Let's go have some fun. Why don't you come over? You don't have to have any money. Just come, just come and spend some time with us. And I like what Pastor Bland said one day in a, in a discipleship when somebody asked him in one of our, our discipleships, they said, you know, how do you, how do you get somebody to, to, to really serve the Lord? He, he gave a great response. He says, you've got to outfellowship the devil. You've got to outfellowship the devil. Because the devil will fellowship with them. The devil will invest time with them. And, the, and their, their old friends, maybe they haven't called in ages. As soon as they give their life to the Lord, that phone starts ringing. Their old friends start calling them up. Hey, what are you doing? Where have you been all this time? Let's, let's catch up. Let's, let's uh, get together again. It's a strategy of the devil. People need relationship, and they need right relationships. 
We, you know, you cannot make it, and the Christian life is not a, it's not a walk of isolation. It's, we don't live in a, in a Lone Ranger society when it comes to serving the Lord. It's, we, we have to live in, in fellowship with each other. That means you're looking for somebody. That new person, you're willing to, to, to spend time with them. You may not come from the same background. You might not come from the same, the same uh, uh, type of people. But now we're a part of the family of God. We're born again. We share something in common. Jesus, what, what the Lord did in the service, what's happening at church this weekend. We begin to share those things, and we, we draw people in, and we make them a part of what, what God is doing in our church. And, it, and, and when there's loneliness and isolation, it is the, you know, loneliness is probably the root cause of, of many, many addictions in this world. Loneliness, isolation, I, I found a quote and it says this, and this is by Bonhoeffer, and, and this is what he says. He was a, he was a preacher back in, in uh, the 40s in World War II in those days, and this is what he says. He says, sin demands a man to have a man by himself. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. That's what sin does. It demands to have a man or woman by themselves. Our strength is in relationship. Our strength is in agreement. See, I'll fight for you. One will chase 1,000. Two will chase 10,000. Imagine what can happen when people come together and there's a spirit of agreement. You know over, I think it's about a hundred times you find the words one another in the Greek. One another in the Greek, 100 times, where it says, love one another, bear ye one another's burdens. All of these different things. What is he talking about there? He's talking about a Christian walk that does not happen in isolation. That your strength is in agreement and carrying the burdens of one another and, and, and fighting for one another, not against each other. Listen, rebuking that spirit of division and, and identifying it and saying, you know what, I'm not going to allow that to, to keep me from, the, from the, the things of God and the relationship that God wants me to have. I'm going to be in right relationship. I'm going to have agreement. I'm gonna, you know, the agreement is a choice. Having a spirit of agreement is a choice. You know how you have agreement? You show up. You're willing to participate. You pray. You make up your mind. I'm not going to separate myself. I'm not going to allow the jealousy and gossip to come in because those spirits will undermine and bring division and, and cause people to miss the, the call of God and the blessing of God on their lives. Fellowship of friends. We, the Bible says that we are members one of another. I had several scriptures here. Listen to what he says. Romans 12.5, if you're taking notes in Christ, that's Romans 12.5 in case you didn't get it the first time. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Romans 14, 7, for none of us lives our lives alone, for ourselves alone. 
and none of us dies for ourselves alone. Romans 13.8, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. 1 John 3.23, This is his command to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he has commanded us. Love one another. It says that if we love one another, his love is, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That's the, that's the love of God bringing us together, causing us to love one another and to be bound to each other for the sake of the gospel. This is what caused the church to grow. I'm talking about how the church grew. They were excited. They, they loved God. They, you know, I, I told our church and I told somebody else, I don't know, maybe our, our, uh, our leaders the other night, but, you know, it, it, we shouldn't dread, I think I said it this morning uh, to our leaders, we, we shouldn't dread coming to church. Sometimes, you know, you're so beat up and so beat down, you don't even want to walk in those doors. See, does that really happen to pastors? Sure it does. But we have to leave that outside. When we get in here, we've got to put on the, put on the victory and get in that prayer room. But it ought to be exciting to be in the presence of God and to be in church. And the very foundation of all of this is God's love. You know, being a, a, a fellowship of friends and having a church that grows, it, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just, it's not just automatic. It's something you fight for. In your heart, you say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a heart of agreement. I'm going to be excited. God, I need your presence. I need your anointing on my life. God, I don't want to be bound by the things of this earth. I don't want to have a, a materialistic mentality where it's just stuff, 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 what I, what I want and what I desire, and we're going to accumulate everything that we can get. Let those things go. And then have a heart for people. When, you, when I read that about, about Pastor Jones, let me tell you, that wasn't just how, what he, how he was like back then. It's, how, it's in his heart. Have we, been, have we been burned by people? Sure we have. Sometimes it feels like our doors are they're, they're revolving doors. People come in and they go. They come in and they go. You invest in somebody's life, you, you help them in their walk with God, you, you help them through the, the crisis of their life and the trials that they're facing, and, and, and they don't appreciate it. They, they, you, you see them making it for God, next thing you know, they're, they're, they're peeling out of the parking lot, mad at God, blaming God for something. But then somebody comes in, I was sharing with Dwayne or uh, somebody else, you know, the next person that comes in that door with a, with a heavy heart the next person that, that, that calls on the phone and, and they've got a crisis in their life, there's a hand that reaches out. There's a heart that says, you know what? God can touch you in that situation. God can meet that need. God can do a miracle. And that person, the next person that comes in gets the same opportunity as the first person that came in. Because we love people. Because we care about their, their destiny and their, their, where they're going to spend eternity. And it, and it, it compels us. To, to leave aside, to, to put aside our, our own desires and our own feelings and to, and to put aside what we want for the night and to be willing like our, our, our teams that go downtown and, and evangelize. And there that people are, they're, you know, they're, they're, they don't care about eternity. They're drinking, they're having a good old time. They don't care about eternity. 
But the moment the gospel is preached, the Holy Spirit begins to work in a person's heart. I like what Andrea was sharing with me. It was either Andrea or Henry. I can't remember who. But they were sharing with me that there were people up top. They were watching from the, the top floor. Was that you, Andrea, that was sharing that? And they were, they're up there, and they can see. There's, here's these people down on the sidewalk preaching. And they come all the way down. All the way down because they want to hear what's being said. And their hearts are receptive. Let me tell you, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the gospel. That's how he works. He gets a hold of a person's heart. He touches them. It's not us. It's not our, our ability, how much of the Bible we've memorized. It's his spirit working in us. It's what happened in the New Testament on the day of Pentecost. And they went out of that place with boldness. They went out with an unction to change the world. And listen, when God, when, when, when Jesus chose those disciples, look at all those imperfect men. Look at how they, they, they turned their backs on him. Every one of them turned their backs on him when he went to that cross. Everyone left him. And here he's leaving the, the future of the gospel in their hands, in the hands of these imperfect people. But when the Holy Spirit got a hold of them, these that have turned the world upside down have come here also. They, they went out of that place with boldness, and look at what we have today. Look at the gospel has, has spread like wildfire, and there's no stopping it. In dark countries, places where the gospel is rejected, and they've done everything they can to shut out the preaching of the gospel, the presence of the Lord still works in those places. Amen? Thank God. Let's bow our heads all over this place. Every head bowed and every eye closed, please, in reverence to God. I know that the Holy Spirit is working in hearts. Might have worked in your heart last night. And it's taken a little bit to settle in. There's been some things God's been working to change. He's, he's addressed a number of things. Could have been this morning. If you weren't here this morning, you ought to go back and listen on the podcast and let the Holy Spirit work in your life. And certainly tonight, He's speaking to hearts. You say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have that zeal. You know, the farther away we get from that initial decision where we accept Jesus, the farther we get, we get away from that. Maybe it, was, maybe it was a year ago. Maybe it was three years. Maybe it was five years. Maybe it was 20 years ago. If we're not careful to always draw close to Him, we begin to drift in our walk with the God. And sometimes we get critical in our attitude. We, we get jealous of somebody else. There's bitterness in our heart to, towards somebody else. We start thinking, oh, that's, this isn't fair. Why is this happening to me? And we, and we, we do like the church at Ephesus in the, in the book of Revelation. You've lost your first love. Look how far you've fallen. Remember your first love. Maybe you've lost that cutting edge. Say, I don't have that fire. I don't have that passion for the Lord. I want that. Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That means lay it all out before God. Say, God, cleanse me. Holy Spirit, cleanse me.
Maybe it's another area, and that is the area of materialism. And it's hard for hard to be a blessing because you've been stretched so thin. Maybe it's maybe it's circumstantial. You didn't ask for it, but you have bills and medical things and all kinds of other things. And you say, you know, I'd like to. I'd like to be a blessing, but I've got all of these things that are pressing on me. I want you to know God can help you through that. Others have been, are decisions that we've made. And we've put ourselves in a place where we cannot participate in what God wants to do. We've, we've, we've committed ourselves to so many other things that we can't be a blessing in the kingdom of God. You know, it, 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 it ought not to be like that. The Holy Spirit got a hold of their hearts and they began to prioritize the things of God more than they wanted the things of this world. Then there's the area of relationship. Maybe tonight you're isolated and you're struggling. You're independent. Maybe maybe it's in your heart you just simply have an independent spirit. You've withdrawn from the things of God. You've withdrawn from participating. You've held back. You say, I, 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 I can't seem to, to get in with, with, with other people. Or maybe you've rejected other people. I pray that God challenges us. I pray he stirs us so that we can see real growth in our own lives. And that, in turn, will produce growth in the body of Christ. While our heads are bowed all across this place, I want to ask first, how many of you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You can't say with, with confidence and with, with assurity that if you were to go into eternity, you would make heaven your home. You say, tonight, I need salvation. I'm not born again. I need salvation, pure and simple. How many across this place would lift up your hands? You say, that's me. I want Jesus to come into my life. I want to walk out changed, forgiven. I need mercy from heaven. I need Jesus tonight. Quickly, would you raise it up and put it back down? We're going to pray together. Amen. God bless you. Yes. How many others? How many others would lift up your hands? Quickly, raise it up and put it back down. We're going to pray together. Praise God. Backslider, tonight's your night. Away from God, tonight's your night. Come home to Jesus. You say, I don't know how it happened, but I'm not where I need to be. I got away from that first love. I've lost my way. I want to come back home. How many others? You join these and you say, that's me. I want salvation. I need forgiveness. I need God to touch me. Yes, I see that hand. Amen. Tonight we're going to open these altars in prayer. Can we stand together? Let's stand together. I want these that have lifted their hands for salvation to come. We're going to open up these altars, and we're just going to make time in prayer. And you know, what matters is that we talk to God, and we, we're, we're real with Him. You know what you're dealing with. I'm not the Holy Spirit. He is. But you know what you're dealing with. You know the things that the Holy Spirit's impressed upon you. And it should be settled in our lives once and for all. And we do that in prayer. God, I don't want to be like this. God, I need a, I need a, I need a, a, a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit in my life. Holy Spirit, I need you. Let's come. Let's, let's find a place in these altars as we worship the Lord. Let's make a, a place in, down here in these altars. And let's not close out this 
this rally without touching heaven with our prayers, without getting a hold of God. Whatever the Holy Spirit's dealing with in your life, let him, let him work like a surgeon. Let him begin to put the things that, in, that need to be placed in order back in order.
some here you're giving your heart to the Lord you make a decision tonight to leave this world behind you need salvation just pray this with me and the whole church can help us say Lord Jesus I need you I ask you right now to do a miracle in my heart I reject this sin in my life and I ask for your mercy come into my life Jesus I ask you to wash me and to cleanse me and do a miracle. Do what only you can do. Take this filthy heart and give me a new heart. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the resurrection. And today I know I'm saved because of the shed blood of Jesus. I'm changed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.